This episode is brought to you by Liquid IV. Guys, if you don't know what Liquid IV is, we'll buckle up because I'm going to throw you a game changer. Liquid IV is a hydration multiplier that not only tastes great, but is a non-GMO electric light drink mix. Powered by cellular transport technology to deliver hydration to the body faster and more efficiently than water can just do alone. One stick contains three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks with five essential vitamins. Now, I pride myself on telling you about things that I either already like or just use in my everyday life. And I have to say, I've actually been a fan of Liquid IV for a long, long time now. I use it for everything from, you know, just long runs to stay in shape, all those late nights with those after hours or just when I'm feeling a little dehydrated. I turn to it so it could just, my God, set me straight, make me feel like a million bucks again, and just get me ready for the day. So please head on over to their website. That's liquid-iv.com to check out their amazing line of products. And get this, when you use promo code Art of the Beholder, all one word, you'll get 20% off your order. Now, if you need a little direction on where to start, I recommend Lemon Lime. Guys, you're going to love it, won't be disappointed. So please give it a shot and get more fuel for life's adventures. Now, back to the show. Greetings and salutations, all you beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Art of the Beholder, a show dedicated to all things eclectic in the world of arts, where we do deep dives into deep cuts and help you understand why damn things matter. I'm your host, Novo Day, and today we're going to be talking about art and drama, audio and acting, exploring the world of voiceover, voiceover acting, or voice acting and narration. But instead of focusing on a specific piece or an artist of the past, it's time, guys, we start focusing on our peers, our colleagues, and our contemporaries. And there is no better person to do this with than with one of our very own, one of our regulars, and that is uh, with Mr. Philip Church. Now, before I introduce Mr. Philip Church, I need to give you the background that you guys so so much deserve. You've heard him on the show before, but today we need to give him the spotlight. So Mr. Church is based out of Atlanta, Georgia. He's been in the game for 10 years, and he includes singing, improv, comedy, and has an incredible love for film, music, and literature. That's exactly why he's been a regular on the show for so long. Now, of course, you've probably have heard many times us talk about the fact that he is the voiceover talent for my novel, the audiobook version. He played Tybalt in the Entropy Sessions, but you could also hear him as the titular Everett Akasha in the young adult sci-fi series about Everett Akasha by Justin Dawkins and, most recently, Tendrils. He was the co-lead protagonist, John Vine, by Kevin Candela. Mr. Church, now it's time. Now it's time to connect. Mr. Church, welcome back to the show, man. Thanks for having me. Oh, you are very, very welcome. Now, today's going to be a little interview, guys. It's a little different. It's going to be a little different because we need to start shining that spotlight on some different people. So um, we're going to start with uh, my very first question for you. And uh, obviously, with that intro, we kind of know where you are today. You are in voiceover, voice acting, narration, but... Tell the good people what led you down this path. How did you decide to go into voiceover work? How, like, how do we get here? Excellent question. And I feel like when you tell people that you do voice work, that that's a, it's a pretty common question because it, it's an interesting thing to think about. I particularly 
have never liked pictures, video of me, etc. Yet mm. I've also had this weird balance of being a little shy of of too much spotlight, but definitely having a need to entertain. And all all the way back from heck, even like kindergarten, like really, really young, you know, I tried things like being in plays and kind of acting, but again, I just I, I didn't love it that much and went on to more being like into music and 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 learning about musicality and played in bands and stuff. And that much it, it was better because at least in the actual band that I played in, I was not the front man. And I could really just kind of provide backing vocals and some guitar. I did do some like cover shows for a little bit too. But since again, it wasn't original material. I felt confident in my ability to do, you know, just other people's good songs on an acoustic guitar in a duo, by the way, there was, there was somebody else there. He would sing a little bit, but I was still kind of the quote unquote front man of the two, but just something about not having my actual work be scrutinized made that doable for me. And I went on to try improv comedy as well. Uh, I, that, I did enjoy that. But again, I just something about the whole being on stage. It was just so nerve wracking and made me too anxious to where I, I didn't feel like I was really getting the best of what I maybe had to offer. And eventually came to realize through basically just kind of a random suggestion of, hey, have you ever thought about audiobooks? And I was like, my gosh, I haven't. But it combines all the things where, you know, I can do public speaking. I've done public speaking both personally, but a lot in other like sort of professional roles that I've had. I have done music and had the spotlight in that way. I've entertained via dramatics. I've always loved doing impersonations uh, and coming up with fun character voices and just being kind of a goof when need be. And <laughs> it's definitely an art. <laughs> yeah. And it's just at the intersection of all these things is cool. I can tell stories. I can entertain. I can create characters. I can continue to grow and provide art and value to the world, but not have to feel like I'm being stared at or being overly scrutinized in that, of course, people will still sit there and it's not that there's no critiques involved, but there's just something about it being a little less direct of just having one step or one medium removed of it being purely audio that made me really comfortable and, and gave me the ability to, yeah, lean into, you know, whether it's a dramatic moment, a comedic moment, or just plain old exposition in which you're still whether you're in a narrator type of character or it's more of a first person type of narration where, you know, the narrator is an actual character from the book. It, it just, it, it's where I've found myself the most comfortable and happy in, in trying to, I can just bring uh, entertainment to, to the people, to the, to the world at large. Do you feel like uh, the profession chose you, you know, that old saying, sometimes you don't, Sometimes you don't pick the thing, the thing picks you. Yeah, that's that's actually, that could really be it. The fact that it was just kind of maybe waiting its turn in line. I, you know, <laughs> I kept looking elsewhere and trying this, trying that. And I liked certain things about all of it. And yeah, again, just this, this interesting niche that was, again, the combination of all these things with maybe the exception of like singing, but still. Uh, it helps because having musicality and and understanding tones still can help you, of course, to create characters and deliver oh, yeah. lines in a certain way 
as it's very musical. To, yeah, know. and as opposed to just being monotone of just being aware of the actual tone, my pacing, all these things. It's in a way, it's still musical. So yeah, yeah. it's um, I, I would say that yeah, if anything, audiobooks uh really kind of brought it to me and and gave something to me that I didn't know that I was really missing. And you've stayed in the game ever since then. So when uh, tell the good people, uh, when did you break into the industry then? Uh, yeah, now that 2022 is almost over, it's it's definitely been, I think, 10 years almost exactly. Like officially. Oh, wow. Yeah. And yeah. It's, yes, because it's wild to think about that. And I, I it's it's not a ton. I'm not trying to like big up myself or, you know, be, <laughs> he's flexing. Guys. I'm not I'm not Johnny, Johnny Big Potatoes over here. Um, but <laughs> I would say I've done, I think, nearly 30 books or something. Nice. Um, yeah. All so you're all. very you're you're very seasoned. You f- you feel pretty comfortable at this point. Yeah, I, I'm maybe not quite veteran status, but I'm far from a novice to where, as far as even my own production setup and the ability to fully produce uh, professional sounding books from home or to even provide audio to professional studios for their own purposes. Yeah, I yeah I'm I'm quite comfortable and confident in in where I'm currently at. And what what draws you to a project? You know, is it do you like the traditional? just voiceover work or voice acting and tell the good people probably the difference if they don't, they, they may not know. Yeah. There's so many more types of voiceover than tends to come to mind. Even than just even, voice acting. Yeah. Even just, even people who have begun to dabble or look into it sometimes forget just how wide ranging it can be. Voice acting, I would say is more like your world of, fiction to an extent, not that there's not acting to other parts of just regular voiceover, but voiceover can be almost anything, whether you're talking about the Ford truck commercial, <laughs> you know, on the high level or the more local scale of or the guy talking the about. the gap in the subway. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's so many different types of it. So, I mean, I'm more on the voice actor type in that I, I'm, I am creating and embodying characters from people's fiction work. Mm-hmm. I'm not against doing the other type. I just find that that's what draws me more in that I, I want fiction. I want to explore where I can go. Uh, I, I'm not pleased with this reality that I've been given. So I want to live in another <laughs> one for a little bit and help take people into that as with me. Again, just that, right? I mean, that's the whole point of of reading as well as other certain hobbies is is escapism to an extent. And so I think voice acting and audiobooks in particular have given me more of an avenue to be escapist and go down a rabbit hole as compared to yeah again being being a radio ad voice or a local commercial kind of guy or the person who says you know press 1 for english or you know el numero dos you, you, you would be good at that too so. i could be again there's there's, <laughs> yeah. there's so many that it would it's there's you don't find jacks of all trades in voice work. you really don't people find a wheelhouse and they might go to a couple of different avenues but for the most part there's there's so much out there that once you find your area or two you you tend to kind of get you know firmly planted there and you're lucky to be able to expand uh, that much more. But yeah, that's yeah, that's at least where I've been. So and there's I mean, there is a thin line even from, you know, uh, voice acting to narration, too. When you're working with people, you know, do you so do you normally tend to trend towards when you, you literally are the character and you're not just reading the story like the character would be, right? You're actually acting out the roles, correct? If that's what the role calls for, uh, you know, the the various writing styles, you know, have you address where sometimes you are the omniscient 
narrator. You're not truly a person. You were just a being sharing a story. There mm -hmm. are times where it is maybe the protagonist, but it is also happening in real time. So there is that reactionary take that having to act in the moment. And then there's times where similarly, it's still the protagonist, but it's more of a, they know where the story's going and they're being a bit coy and maybe doing foreshadowing. So mm. it, it, even that in alone, just being the narrator in itself, there's so many different ways that that can be presented according to the text and what the author's goal is so that, uh, yeah, even the narrator in itself is, is a very much a character and you have to decide. Uh, and again, often depending on how connected you are with the, like what the kind of voice you want to use just yeah for you know again is this is the is the you know narrator if it's a real person are they you know are they the excited type is this that you know is it more jovial and friendly or you know are they extremely sardonic and bummed out because this is mm. a very dramatic tale or something so uh it, yeah it, it's even from the get-go just because there's not quotations and a character voice to attach to it there's still a lot of thought that needs to go into the delivery of every little bit because every piece of that is very important. And, you know, even the author had something in mind when they were writing that sentence of, of how it should be sort of delivered and formulated and to be thought about. Yeah. So, so tell that's a good segue to how do you prepare for a gig or, or a part or a series of parts, you know, obviously some novels or pieces of work have a very small number of characters and then probably there's, you know, you had to work with, um, pieces that have had a, a, a large number of characters. How yeah. do you traverse those waters? What's your process? When I'm lucky, I get a lot of contact with the author. And those, of course, those those relationships are so important. Help them, of course, again, you know, bring bring their work to a proper medium that to be shared with other people. If they have an actual list of characters alone, that helps because that gives you First and foremost, an idea of how many voices do you need to be creating and bringing? <laughs> do and you I'm, like that, or do you feel uh, do you cringe at like when you see, oh God, I have I have to f I have to figure out thirty voices, or is that like a, a fun challenge for you? It's a it's a bit of both, I think, because again, it comes down to is this a fantasy or sci fi novel? Are you know are all these people humans in the same city? Are are these different characters at least across? or from various parts of a country, or various countries in general? Is it even in our regular Earth or reality? Which again, if you start to talk about different creatures and species of things, then you can really start to have fun with it. Uh, so again, it's sometimes it can be cringeable because you're like, holy crap, this is nothing but like, you know, there's like half of the character is a bunch of corporate dudes and you just, how do I sound like 15 angry white men? <laughs> um, that are distinguishable from one another. Suits in a room. Yeah, Jesus like had, and, but yeah. distinguishable from one another, right? And that's yeah. So it can be difficult, but it's still. It, I it, more often than not, it is a fun challenge. Um, and then you know, even just past whether they have a list, sometimes they will or won't describe each character if there's a list. And there's not even always a list. Sometimes people don't have those materials that might not have been part of their writing process, which is totally fine. So if they don't, uh, have what do that, you prefer on that note? Do you like the list, I mean, or do you like to just exploring it with the the fellow artist? You know, kind of being not literally in the same room, but on the Zoom call in the meeting to 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 figure it out. What do you prefer? If I get to sync up with the author and they happen to have a list, cool. Otherwise, it really is just me doing all my homework and perusing the entire book and making sure to not only make note of the various characters, but especially pay attention to things about that one or two times when their voice is described as sultry or gruff uh, or even just specifics 
the word accent, twang, dialect, just the various ways that you can describe a voice, that's a, it can be a bit harder because, you know, there's always a turnaround, there's always a deadline. And I've been to where I've had a very, very large book with a certain number of characters. And, it, you know, I, I maybe missed like one key word and it wound up impacting the overall project timeline, oh, which wow. was a great look. Yeah. So that was, that was, that was like a really hard learning process. And that was luckily one of my more rookie mistakes earlier on in my career. So, I mean, I've since learned from that. So yeah, I mean, if you have to learn it by, from your own perusal of the book before you really start, then, you know, that's cool, but it's still not perfect because you can easily miss something. There's sometimes very small ancillary characters that maybe they don't even have much of a description. So you still, you know, you get three quarters of the way through the book and all of a sudden there's somebody for just two pages and you still need to come up with something that doesn't sound like anything else that you have done or, or know that you will need to do for the remainder of the book. So you'll almost always come across some sort of surprise or something that will alter what you thought you were going to do. But yeah, I mean, the more I can go into it knowing, the the, the better I, I feel like, kind of like anything else, right? The, what is that saying about two minutes of preparation saves one minute of execution or something like that? And it's very much still true here as far as being able to prep the number of characters, the the feel of each chapter or the sections of a chapter where, again, the plot is ratcheting up, you know, start to display more excitement, maybe a, a few more decibels of volume or, you know, look forward to the somber moments to, you, you know, dialing it back down and, you know, maybe kind of leaning into the mic and getting a little quieter for a really tense moment or, yeah. or just... Whatever it is, there's... I felt the tenseness right yeah. there. I did, yeah, so, yeah. There's there's so many things that both can be done beforehand, and then things that I feel like are fairly inevitable that will have to be done during. But yeah, I, I really prefer to to learn as much as possible before I ever even start recording. And and the more I can know going into it, the the better I think I'll feel uh, throughout making some sort of especially like audiobooks, yeah. What is still a challenge to you then to this day? Where where is the uh when do you feel like oh man, this is this is going to be this is going to be hard. I think just making each character unique, clearly yeah, clearly distinct and yet still believable because it can be difficult to not wander into caricature practically. Because as a, as a guy with not exactly a deep voice, but it's not high right i'm just kind of right there in the middle i have, have like a good register yeah, of, yeah I've that, got like a pretty every, every guy middle it, it can get a bit yeah it, it's maybe towards the lower end of middle so yeah. i i for instance don't like how my female voices can come across as a guy sure. just kind of throwing a story out there and you're just talking like, like you oh, said caricature yeah, like, blah, 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 so big, blah, blah, blah. So, you know no, no you don't want to sound <laughs> like you're just doing the throwaway voice Sure. You know, you need to do this consistently. And so you have to find that pocket of, okay, is this at least believable? Uh, and can I do this consistently based throughout various, again, emotions and tones? Um, because adding different things like a bit of a different mouth mouth form to kind of, you know, just maybe change a little bit of the speech pattern, like whether they speak more out of one side of their mouth or they don't move their jaw very much or something. All those little tricks still come in handy, but you know, if I'm raising the pitch of my voice, it's always going to sound like a dude doing an impression of, <laughs> of, a, of a lady. And again, I just, I just don't want that to sound silly and take away some of that fourth wall. I want to keep, you know, the listeners in the moment and make sure that it, it, it you know, I'm never accidentally downplaying or taking away from 
a good dramatic moment, uh, an important line with them just being like, wow, this guy sounds goofy. He doesn't sound like a lady at all. It's like, I, I know that I don't, but I also, again, I can't sound like a, an actual cartoon. You know, this isn't, this isn't animation. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not doing a cartoon, you know, especially just given that a lot of roles are very serious or have their dramatic moments. And so, yeah, maintaining that seriousness is I think is still just my ongoing challenge of I can explore the ranges of my voice, but I, I, hate the idea of of my specifically my female characters just sounding like a poor imitation and i think you answered probably my next question which is let's try to dissect the true art in this art form because i'm very happy we have this professional relationship now because you really helped to open my eyes with the fact that this is such a skill set and such an art, uh, more than I realized. I, I already knew going into a lot of my pursuits that these were this was clearly an art form. But getting to know someone like you, I felt like, man, there's this is why there's such a small community of people that can really nail it really well. And I think I still think about things to this day of like, oh, well, Philip could say it so much better. Or, you know, like I was thinking, you know, even when we were doing shows like Bekchinsky, and I was like, I would, you know, we've done shows where I was like, Philip, say it again. And I, say it again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, wait, say it again so I can edit it in. You know, and it, it just really made me realize, okay, this uh, this community of artists is, you know, so unique and 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 we need to shine more of a light, I think, in the art form in and of itself too, you know? Um, and I just love that. Yeah, I, I finally really feel like I have that dichotomy of, and you're so humble. I know you don't want to put it like, yeah, not everyone can do what I do, but there, there is some, some truth to that. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's, it, and I think that's another thing too, is not letting things get to your, to your head in, in any sort of, uh, capacity like this, because from what I've learned and learning from others in this industry is that this is not your Hollywood multi-million dollar role, you know, like none of that really almost ever applies anything close to it to voiceover so much that not saying that those same people can't sometimes do voiceover and they might be the exception to that. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's not, again, that's kind of the other side of that same coin of I'm not in as much of a spotlight and therefore there's not as much of that sort of like clout. Uh, there's yeah. not all that grandioseness. And again, I think that the more you can remind yourself that um, without having your physicality, you have to be all that much better with just yeah. the one instrument. And so reminding yourself to never stop stretching, never stop learning is is probably that that humbling thing that kind of keeps me going of saying the next one's got to be better. It's not that I'm I'm displeased with the last one. But it's just that strive as opposed to being like, well, hey, you know, whatever, yeah, no, whatever happens. Evolving. Yeah, it's like, oh, and, you know, again, there's no like writers or like specific contracts where, you know, you've got people that, again, in certain Hollywood roles, like, well, at least I'll definitely make $35,000, you know, from <laughs> it's like, that's just not a thing. You just don't get that sort of cockiness. Like you, there's people with great voices that know that they'll book, but yeah. you, still like you, there's, there's only so much that people tend to make in both audiobooks and just voiceover in general. Um, and I, I think that that's another interesting part of this side of entertainment compared to, you know, again, like the people who are on stage in front of a mic or on a set in front of a camera and mics. Well, you, you make a good um, to your point, you know, you have to 
<laughs> you have to bring your A game because yeah, there isn't that visual component, but I realized as we've been discussing this, you have to create the visual component in that vocal performance. And yeah. that can go such a long way and um in bringing that person in the world because yeah, we're so used to having the visual, you know, seeing a film or TV show where there's yeah. a visual component and they so they pull a face, they lean towards right. a certain character, you know, there's there's so many subtle things that kind of get lost or get uh practically taken for granted. But when you like create a voice, that person hearing that voice can still try to imagine what he or she looks like. So there is a visual component that you're helping to create, but just with their imagination. So Very true. that's a yeah. Very theater um, of mind. <laughs> so let's uh let's switch gears. Uh let's go to the other end of the art form spectrum. Let's talk about gear. Let's gear out a little bit. Uh what do you like to use? And you know, when you are constructing a piece from beginning, middle, and end, kind of walk us through that and discuss your gear along the way. Sure. I have a number of uh, <laughs> acoustic. He's got treatments. a fort. I've seen the fort, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got a number of acoustic treatments. Uh, that is super mandatory because it doesn't matter how good of a microphone, how much you want to drop on a microphone. If you don't have the right environment, you're going to capture exactly what your what your environment sounds like more than your ability to again draw people away from reality or at least draw them into whatever narrative that you're trying to paint depending on if we're talking more voice acting or even just voiceover always always gonna have tons of acoustic treatment around me i still use a dynamic microphone but just because it's it's still a pretty good one it's not a um condenser but that's probably would be my next step uh is just that i i do wonder uh if if i would want to switch microphones. So I still use the Shure SM7B and you'll see that in still in tons of other professional recordings though. Like go watch, like for instance, uh, one of my favorite, uh, in by favorite, I mean really the only uh, like Let's Play that I watch on YouTube. I, I I don't watch a ton of video game streams. Do they still call them that for the? Record? I don't know. It's just the fact that the one <laughs> I that really, I yeah the one that I watch was always described as a Let's Play because it yeah. was three friends. I and, still call them Let's Play, but I'm I'm like, do they still even? Is that, yeah, is as that far the, as I know, is that the geriatric yeah. millennial in me? It could be, <laughs> and because that's probably one of the many things we have in common. Because that's as far as I know. Um, but even in then even in other things like the it's always sunny podcast and even other like news-based podcasts that aren't fully you know not not like your super big names of of like major media outlets but you know the more amateur ones but these podcasts that have video components to them i love seeing that they're using a sure sm7b and then being able to also sit there and go like yeah they sound really good and i know for a fact that i'm working with something that is is professional like studio grade so Again, like, yeah, you can always go out there and spend two to $5,000 on a microphone, uh, but it also depends on, like, what's the actual purpose? I mean, are you doing theatricals? Are you going to have a range of volumes? Uh, are you going to be doing... So the gear characters? is important. It is. It what really the product's going to be. Okay. Um, and then outside of that, just your standard stuff, like, it needs to have an interface, and what that is is essentially a little box that transmit translates the plain sort of audio signal into an actual computer signal. And mm. then takes that into my like MacBook and I'm still a Pro Tools guy. It's just what I've always used because the first few places that I 
worked with were Pro Tools houses. I think it's still a very, you know, the gold standard with a lot of, you know, uh, workstations. Yeah. And then for the other end of things, too, for for listening, uh, I've got a set of Sony. uh, What is it like? MD. I'm going to take them off. MD, yeah, so MDR V6. So just some good, some... We got some sound effects in there for this yeah. episode. <laughs> yeah, I, I, decent, heard, I heard it. Decent it Sony cans, uh, full over ear. And good. that yeah. way, you know, they're made for music and they're made for just rich audio. So that way you get the headphone version of what you sound like with good quality. And then I've got some three-inch monitors, a, a set uh, of stereo three-inch monitors. A granted, stereo is just really for my own leisure when I'm listening to music, but still knowing what it would sound like on speakers because, you know, people listen to audio in so many places these days. It's not just like everybody has the one radio at home. No, I mean, this is, you know, you've got your phone and some people will listen right off of that. You've got all the various types of earbuds, you know, your AirPods and whatnot. Then you have people that also love closed back full on headsets. I mean, those people still exist, even though I still feel like everything is earbuds these days. <laughs> and then you've got the people with their own home stereos and people in their cars going through Bluetooth to listen on like big speakers. So you you need that for sure to listen both ways so that if you are doing a full production, including mastering it, you need to be listening for those weird niche frequencies that like, well, when I listen on my speakers where there's more bass, you know, I really hear too much rumble. So maybe I'll cut a little more of this, this low frequency out and then go back and listen to that with the headphones and make sure that it doesn't sound extra high, high frequency or any kind of tinny. And you just kind of kind of play off the balance of both of them because that's really all you can do is you're making the one finished product for however people are going to be listening to it. So it's all the more important that you have at least the two. So decent cans and some pretty decent monitors again nothing like crazy high end but enough to to know that when i put the final stamp on everything and send it out into the world that people are getting the absolute best out of what what i'm capable of making i feel like this end is an art form as well there is an art to making sure that um not necessarily having the best gear but having helping to create the best performance so that the best goes in and then you can have the best coming out, and then you can do that post-production work. Speak a little to that. Yeah, the post stuff is is far heavier than I would imagine most people would that don't have any kind of experience with, I guess, just media production in general. Uh, that, yes, so much of it, obviously, yes, you've got the narrator sitting there for you know 15 hours that once they're done, maybe it gets shaved down to more like 13 and a half, uh, something like that of a, of a finished run. But yeah, I mean, making sure that the editing is good and consistent, that, you know, no sentences, just because the narrator needed to pause and take a breath, that might not be the best for that beat in the story. So even the people, you know, not even behind the mic and then post record still need to be evaluating, you know, what should the pacing be here? And then even just other random things like, you know, identifying scene breaks where, you know, like you're reading a book and then all of a sudden, whether there's like a line or two asterisks, you know, like a large space between two paragraphs that obviously indicates some kind of scene shift so that like that needs its own spacing specifically so that people will understand like, okay, a couple of seconds of silence have gone by. And that way, when the book picks back up, it's like, yeah, you're, you're not at all on the, on the same tack. You've, you've changed lanes. Um, and, and, you know, so paying attention to both mandatory things like that, scene you know the pacing of a different scene and then just looking out for again like the the various frequencies of just knowing okay well this book you know they decided on these types of characters 
we'll we'll need to make sure that you know it never hits certain levels because it it might end up sounding too rough uh coming out of speakers depending on the kind of voices you do or depending on you know if you have to have far more low-end voices or not uh there's there's a lot of <laughs> know-how that goes into polishing up uh any good performance that it's just as important to post uh if if not almost well that was yeah equally just against apples and oranges really what are you uh what are you working on right now anything new in the oven not anything at the actual moment in record, but I do have two books that I already sent in corrections and stuff for. So they'll be, I guess, published is still the right word or just released. <laughs> um, so I yeah, do have, that, I do have two point. books coming out soon. Um, one of are which, we allowed to talk about them or is it still hush hush? No, we can. I, I, I we can talk about it just fine. Um, one interesting thing too is is that. Um, Again, in this in this medium where you don't have a face to put to a name, like for instance, you know, people who like actors usually like transition into, for instance, like maybe they did some riskier stuff when they were younger and they were not quite family men. And then you get older and you do almost, you know, like like Eddie Murphy, for instance, how he used to do almost nothing. But like he could be so raunchy and foul mouthed. And then once he be kind of, you know, he became like a family man. And, and he, he was the nutty doing, professor. Yeah. And, he, <laughs> and his performances started to, you know, and not saying that he didn't do the occasional thing here and there where he maybe would drop an F-bomb or get kind of crass. But, you know, he just he became softer in his age and that's fine. Well, that's not really the case here in that you can do literally anything you want, but you still need to keep in mind things like you know, you're, you're sort of basically your marketability and that if I've done children's books, which I have, I probably wouldn't want my real name on that children's book to be in the same list as like some erotica, for instance, that might mm. be off-putting. So other interesting things that you need to keep in mind are, you know, like I've, I've done um, both ends of that. And so one of the books that I've done recently was a little more on the erotica end and I did not attach the name Philip Church to it uh, intentionally. So a lot of a lot of narrators have pseudonyms um, for various reasons, not even just around erotica. It's just, you know, again, maybe their nonfiction work uh, or their corporate narration, if you will. Yeah. Uh, what You know, whatever sort of way more of a straight read informational, uh, that still might be like a different name because it's just a different body and style of work compared to if they happen to do dramatic, theatrical, whatever you want to call it, like more like fiction work. Um, just to be able to separate those personas and let people know that, well, if you're looking for corporate, you're going to want to hire, you know, like, you know, Tommy, Tommy Teachum, like whatever the heck you call. It. I don't know. It's dumb, but it's, it would probably be a real name. Just, <laughs> nope. Nope. It's, well, I'm going to call you Tommy Teachum. Yeah. If I ever do corporate narration, I'm going to have to go by Tommy Teachum. You got to go. It's, to, it's just, Tommy just Teachum. Just know that now. like, if that's what you're marketing to corporations that like, cool, as long as they Google that and they'll find that you're good and consistent with that and that they won't accidentally find out that like, oh, and he went and ripped the bodice off and her flesh. It's like, no, you don't, you don't need those things commingling. <laughs> you don't probably want those on the same resume. So, pro tip pseudonym, yeah, uh, for the uh, for the budding next generation of yeah. voiceover oh. artists. What other kind of wisdom can you bestow upon them? Genuinely, tell them to sit down and re you know actually record themselves, and and then just ask friends and family to listen and see. Are you even comfortable? Asking mm. people close to because I mean those people are always going to there want, is performance anxiety there is and, and you probably know, a lot of people out there and more often than not people and you got to deliver you, you know that and you know the people close to you will also want to support you and you know you got to consider the fact that you know just, yeah you're not on mic but still 
do you want people to, you know, really be scrutinizing your voice? Like, can't, is it, is it still going to get to you just because you're not on a camera? Um, and can you, you know, like, how do you actually feel about the sound of your own voice? Uh, and then even just another weird thing of just, do you think you could r legitimately like read out loud for a certain, for a certain number of, of hours almost every day for at least a short period of time? Because again, uh, you know, books are only really so long, luckily, uh, unless you're talking about you have an entire series to do and you're somehow booking all of them at once, mm. you're still going to need time. Does that happen? Oh my God. Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes. Oh, cause you know, think about how much, <laughs> how many books are so you're you? like committing to like years. You can sometimes. be absolutely. Okay. Wow. Cause you okay. know, audiobooks have really boomed over the last decade. And so there were so many existing properties that like, Hey, you know, this author already has a backlog of 10, but they're still going, but we need to start doing these. And so sometimes, you know, they'll say, well, I want that consistency. That author might decide, I, I want the same person. Find me somebody amazing because they're going to do the 10 books and, they're you know, gonna kill the, it. And, they, and then by the end of the 10, I might want them to do the remainder because I only have like two more under this franchise that I've planned. Hmm. Um, so there's like, you know, you need to legitimately be able to do this for just a, almost the same amount of time as a normal nine to five to an extent with the main difference that, if you sit down and talk for eight hours a day, you are going to sound like dog shit by the end of it. <laughs> you need to find your, your pocket of, okay, I'm awake, I'm hydrated, my voice is woken up, and my brain is going and I can perform. And then make sure that you can also stop and hear yourself that even if you feel like you are, the, the juices are flowing, you, you've got the pace, everything's great, of being able to stop and, and go, do I still sound like me? Am I the same narrator that I was four hours ago? That makes me think of a um, a question that I didn't even um, have uh, to begin with. Do you do you warm up? Do you do exercises? Do you do things to keep it sharp like a muscle? I yeah I I again I, I love singing. I sing every day. I have various stuff. I mean, I've, I'm still singing uh, Steely Dan songs. Um, and then I, I, I'm still on like- <laughs> Plug a, for our Steely Dan I, Yeah, show. and I'm still on like a Julian Casablanca's kick with a few songs. There and, you go. And, yeah, man. You know, and, and even if it's just other random stuff, if I put on a, a different playlist. Um, yeah, so that's that's one thing is it doesn't have to, you know, there's no one correct way to warm up so, so much as just keeping your instrument at the ready, especially if you intend to perform and do it fully professionally as you, you know, intend it to be a recording. So yeah, a lot of times people will just tell you that, you know what, like it's more of a, like I sing, I sing to warm up and that, that is me. I, I do that. Um, I, I will, I will somewhat practice accents if I know that a book is going to call for them. So I will do what I can to like, okay, let me try it cold. Just like surprise myself and be like, okay, let me just do, you know, like I'll just do like a really Cockney accent out of nowhere. Let me just mm -hmm. go with a random Australian or let me go back to Scottish now. And then sometimes <laughs> I'll also practice like, what if I were to jump between them and just. I want to be a fly on that wall. Yeah. Right. Again, it's, <laughs> and, and it's that thing is like, it's, it's nice that it's usually just me here by myself. So if I feel silly, there's no one here to, to, you know, Oh, they're laughing at me. You know, like that's, that's part of why this is so great for me because I'm having these goofy conversations with myself, trying to just make it up as I go, switching in and out of voices and trying also not to do, you know, stereotypical of like, oh, if you do an Australian accent, try not to sound, well, I don't know. There's not that many famous specific Aussie voices, but you know how like sometimes people will, will almost do again, like a specific impression when they're trying to do uh, an accent. And it's like, well, no, this book doesn't call for 
you know, Sean Connery or whatever, <laughs> Scott. And Sean Connery's not even a crocodile this... Dundee. Well, like, exactly. That's, like, it's like, like a go to impression. And, and it, yeah, it's like you don't just do an impression, like try to use your actual character voice and do not just a stereotypical version of that accent, but a corrector version of that accent and jump in and out of them because you will be going from Scottish person, they said, to lady Scottish person, she said, to regular narration. And whether that's Scottish or not, again, like that also comes down to, has the book established that, is this an omniscient narrator? They can sound like you. That's okay if you're an American like me. Um, or, you know, if you are that dang good at accents, you can book something where the entire book is even presented as like, oh, this is all British. It's going to be a range, but the narrator is just going to be your like, you know, your your basic BBC news. Like we just want like a really straight narrator, super plain. And that way the rest of your, you know, various regional England accents can can shine. Um, mm. So, yeah, I mean, just thinking about singing alone just to get my various bits of range and make sure I'm warmed up. And especially if it's multiple characters and i've i've even if the text doesn't say that's another fun thing is getting to get play that use that creative license so again i might inject a bit of an accent into a character to help me distinguish like i said earlier i was joking about having like 15 white men but you know i mean that's that's a thing that's a thing i run across where that if it's not that would be a challenge yeah, yeah if, if it's not established in the text that you know is anyone even not like a regular white dude like who are these people and even beyond that like are they actually from the same city or is at least one of them from the Midwest, if not like a specific area of the Midwest or New England or the Southwest or whatever? Um, those are the only other things you can do is to maybe start to inject dialects and various subtle accents on the top of, you know, yes, you can pitch your voice up. You can make it a little gravelly, like a little airy or a little more nasally. Like there's all you have to find all these different niche things uh, and, of course, keep track of them in your head. Um <laughs> And be able to do that. So yeah, there's there's a lot of different things just depending on the book. Uh, if you're doing audiobooks or just you know the performance, if you're just doing one character for a voiceover, if you're you know doing whether it's a, a commercial sort of character voice of like oh I'm playing the mascot of this thing and they're kind of goofy and silly, or you know a cartoon where it's like well I'm playing a big turtle, but they're not actually like they don't sound like all slow and dopey. Um, you know again just there's all these different things that you could prepare for. Just depends on what your current job gig calls for excellent answer my god um so let's talk about the philip church in five to ten years what would you like to achieve and if there was a a, a dream gig out there what would that be for you in five to ten years i would love to have more of a local presence here in atlanta because we're and putting it in the uni- out in the universe, so the- it could happen. It could. You've got to yeah, the you work towards these things and manifest you know. them. If you don't say it out loud, if you That's don't right. ask for something, you can't get it. That's right. Um, so yeah, I, I, would, I would like to continue to spread my influence, and I don't necessarily even need to be the voice, but I, I've found myself enjoying just directing and, again, doing the production since I've actually produced plenty of my own books. So I wouldn't mind having a reliable sort of like local quote-unquote studio, if you will, so that other people in my local community, at least, or even traveling people in the community would be able to say like, oh, I'm in this area. Does somebody have a studio I can book? And I can step in as at least an engineer, uh, as well as to be able to rent the space, if not also a director of they're like, well, you know, well, it, what kind of role is this? Do you need, you know, more creative hands in, in, on this than just or do you have it? Uh, so to be able to offer the full gamut 
even in the one stop shop. Yeah, because, you know, it's, it, you'll still find that tons of these people that do voice work have a hand in in production. Again, like you've invested all these things in your studio. A lot of people don't have that luxury. And you've you've got to realize like how marketable you are and just all the different things that you bring as your own sort of small business in a way. And that's one thing that I, I still feel like Atlanta is so big and spread out so that if, if like if, if people in my local like, you know, suburb area or wherever I may be living at the time, whether it's just being able to market locally and helping small businesses and being able to provide voiceover for them or that, again, another narrator, voice talent, whoever needs a space for a few days and I don't have an active gig, I can at least say, here's a space. Do you have an engineer? Do you want to self-engineer? Mm. Do you need me to engineer? Um, and just continue to, to, you know, let art make it out to the world. So, oh, yeah, like have a space and it be completely flexible to the needs of the situation. Yeah. In other words, um, are we uh, do we have that now or are we developing that? Developing that. I would say that the hardware is there, but the space really just is not. This is not I'm not currently in a space that I would feel too comfortable uh, having another professional really like try to sell them on like so we need that studio yeah it's not it's not a true studio it, again it's it's treated acoustically and the gear is there and I, it works for me sure. and you know maybe like if, if a close friend was wanting to do something again like oh like i i know some people that run their own small businesses so if they really were like hey i just literally want to voice my own commercial spot can i make like a, a 60 minute spot with you cool. Like if you're my friend and you know, you know what you're getting for the fact that you'd probably also get just like a charge to friend price neato. Yeah. But <laughs> the, the rates that some of these things go for and the fact that like for however much more they could probably go get like the Mac daddy of sweets or like if, you know, if, if it is like, Oh, this is a, a big, like huge Macmillan or whatever the bigger publishers, then, you know, they, they might not be looking for like a, a, a small uh, sort of at home studio. They might just want to go into like, a larger room with the fanciest mic possible and just know that like sky's the limit. T tell the good people how they can book you then because they may be listening to this in the future. It may be 2025. I don't know. Yeah. And they're like, oh know. shit, I need, I need this guy for this exact purpose. How do they get a hold of you? My website, uh, philipchurch.tech is the best way. Uh, I chose tech because again, I am just a bit nerdier and I figured it might kind of stand out a little more. Uh, mm -hmm. Plus all the CHs in like philipchurch.tech. I feel like that just helps. Like it's got a specific ring to it. And it, yeah, it's got my commercial demo for, well, literally just commercial read type stuff. Uh, it's got a couple of my actual fiction audiobook samples on it. So if you're on the fence, the website's still the place to go. So you can hear more of me and get links to so many more of the works that I've done that are available through like Audible uh, and, other, and other publishers. And there's also, of course, a contact form, right? That you'll just be able to send something into me to say, um, you know, hey, I, yeah, the voice is right, right, what we're thinking. And, you know, it sounds like you can produce your own stuff, blah, 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 from what we read. So, yeah, Philip Church with one L in Philip. <laughs> philipchurch.tech. One L, Philip. Yeah, but I also have a Facebook page. Uh, you know, again, it's, it's easy and free to have like Facebook business page. So um, the two, of course, just link to each other, just like any other decent small business with uh, uh, an internet presence. So you can find me on Facebook, Philip Church, uh, professional voice nerd. Uh, I believe is like what I call myself. Um, but philipchurch.tech is still the, the most direct way to go. For, again, for now, just the voice, but someday for, again, hopefully actual like studio bookings and stuff. You don't, you never we don't know when they're when when the good people are going to be listening to this. I don't know. This is true. So, um one more question for you, a bonus question. Ooh. <laughs> Let's talk inspiration because yeah. and every artist 
has that moment where they saw somebody uh, or, you know, if it's if they're a musician, it was a band or an artist. If, you know, if they're an actor, they saw film and they were inspired by someone's uh, chops. So for you in the voiceover acting narration world, what are your go to's? Two parts. What was the some of the people that inspired you to actually get into this work? And what are the people that are still inspiring you today? I think as a child of the 90s. Ooh, the Simpsons. <laughs> well, yeah, actually, Dan that that is yeah, that is a good one. Um, honestly, though, I, I was gonna say um the Batman animated series. Okay, yeah, uh, both Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill. Uh, those performances are were above and beyond, both for the time and almost to this day. Hence, they both still do the roles to this day. It's almost hard to top what they brought to the table. 30 years ago, literally like back. And I think it was actually might've been a little more. It might've been 1990. Exactly. That Batman, the animated series came out. And even just that realization, eventually the damn Joker was Luke Skywalker. <laughs> that alone blew me away about like, are you kidding me? Like people can do that with their voices. He's still he can, he in be. the industry, right? He's still he, doing he, he is exactly. Work. He's, 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 a, he's a legend. I mean, he, he can, he's done a lot more than just the Joker. Of course, uh, that just happens to be probably his, just most famous role because everybody loves a good joker right um but yeah he's he's done all kinds there was even a short that they did that was literally a play uh like it was basically like a joke on on how many different characters that he's done and it was like he himself was mark hamill he is playing first and foremost a cartoon version of himself where he is mark (laughs) hamill the actor and then he's like two or three other uh characters from the various like comic book universe stuff that he's done. And it's, it's basically just him being all of his different characters at once and just the like, getting to have like a fun time of it. Um, it was just hilarious. Um, and so, yeah, he's, he still does it. And it's like, it's again, it's subtle. You, you might not have even realized like which, like how many voices he might've done uh, just in cartoons uh, and not to mention like, like some metalocalypse and everything. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, okay. So that was the, the roots and then who is maybe or we could do both who was that um man or woman maybe during or maybe someone new i don't know that anyone new has blown me away quite to the same level that some other people have uh two of my favorites who happened to end up working together on one of the my favorite shows of all time, which is Futurama, were also mm. present throughout my younger life. And again, it wasn't until you had things like basically the internet and like your IMDb's where I just realized that Billy West was, he was all over the place. You couldn't stop the guy f- f- just from, dec- he's just got decades and decades of work now. Um, and, and uh, you know, in Every show that he's done, he's not just one person. He is so talented that he is never any less than like two or three characters on any Mm. one of these shows. So, you know, like Ren and Stimpy, he was Ren and Stimpy. In Doug, Mm. he was like Doug and Roger Klotz and I think like maybe one other character. Yeah, we forget that, you know, these actors and artists can embody hundreds of characters and change on a whim i don't know like when yeah i going back to the simpsons example when i've seen someone like dan or the other actors just switch from voice to voice to voice to voice to voice it's like it's like magic oh yeah i mean like kind of like i was joking about with my warm-ups but also on the simpsons hank azaria is 
practically a, a third of the cast. And he, <laughs> he's, he's, you know, made a point of talking about there will, there have been scenes where it's just him having a conversation with himself as three or four different people. Um, so yeah. And I think one time you told me like, there was a character, I think of a female artist that was like the oh, one Tress that Neil. Yes. Tress Talk about Neil. her. She also, she, her range, both vocally and acting wise are just out of this world. If yeah. she wants you to think that she is like a tiny, like a very young little boy done <laughs> If she needs to sound like a crazy old cat lady, done. If she wants to sound like the news presenter, but who also happens to be like losing her mind because of some sort of like alien takeover or like brain slugs or whatever, done. Look no further. <laughs> it's it's insane. She she can she can do so many different types of characters, uh, and even within each character, has such a range of of again just like acting and 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 styles that she can incorporate that she does not get the credit that I feel like she she really deserves. Um, which again, she's been on, she also got sort of like the biggest start, the biggest help, I think, from The Simpsons. And yeah. she also went on, yeah, she was all over Futurama as well. Again, I, I really think I looked at Futurama as one of my absolute uh, favorites for as far as voice casts go, because again, you've got your Billy West. You've also got Maurice LaMarche, who or some of his earlier work, he did, he was uh, Brain in Peaky in the Brain. And then he was like Kiff, so again, he also can sound like a giant, you know, 10 foot tall lizard alien. <laughs> and he can also sound like a weird, creepy little, you know, like just human or whatever. Um, mouse. <laughs> and and he's also, you know, both Billy and Maurice do some some amazing spot on impersonations. Uh, whereas, again, I feel like Tress McNeil, uh, who, again, also in Futurama, she's far more of a purely original type of character person. Not that she never did some impersonations of celebrities and characters. If, if the show ever brought, you know, actual pop culture people uh into the script but she was all the more again just almost like as dynamic as both of those guys if not more so yeah it, it's that's that's like my go-to that really is like people yeah like yes the cast from the simpsons they all do a great job but uh, for me it's just something about the the cast of futurama that just that one really gets me yeah is there i i guess oh just and, jump and ball. john dimaggio uh, i was about to say i was like jump ball is there anybody else we're missing that was an inspiration probably john dimaggio um that's probably it as far as like the bigger names uh that yeah are just in like one or two like video games <laughs> uh just video game actors oh yeah just uh give us a couple gaming ones then i mean yeah you've got like your troy bakers uh um, troy baker David Hayter. Yeah. Meryl. Um, <laughs> I put that, I don't know if you uh, ever listen, um, just like Marvel movies, I sometimes edit in um, post-credit little Easter eggs, and your Meryl was, I put that in, I think, I want to say the Giger episode, something awesome. like that. Uh, so uh, look out for those as well. But yeah, any anybody else? That's funny, actually. I did not know uh, about that. Um, I can see her actual like face, not just like some of the characters she's done, but I feel so bad I'm blank. It's actually somebody else who was um in what's uh, some of her work. She she's actually uh Jennifer Hale. That's who it is. Okay. She okay. was also in Metal Gear Solid, but she has been all over the freaking map. Um again, she, tons Mass and tons of video games. Yeah, I believe so. I think she was okay. Lady Shep. Okay. Um which uh, again, if, if my internet's of course being really poopy right now, but we're doing this through the internet, so I don't want to try too hard. But yeah, she was Lady Shep. Um, 
She's been in like actual movies and stuff like Ralph Breaks the Internet. She's just hmm. she's iconic, but again, is so talented and has such range that it's it's she's done. It's almost hard to pick just one or two things that anyone would know. It's always going to be niche because, again, she's been doing voices, uh, voice work since the mid 90s. And she's got like hmm, easily wow. 200 credits <laughs> to her name or something. It's nuts. Wow. And again, talking about not just video games like cartoons, movies, uh, tons of animation. But she is like an animation voiceover legend. Well, um, Philip, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, absolutely. I, I appreciate um, your interest in the craft. I think that's definitely one of the things that always kind of lent itself to our, uh, yeah, just the the fun working relationship. And um, finally, also just like turning off the, the sort of ridiculous <laughs> puns and sense of sense of humor stuff and just really getting... <laughs> we to, got serious. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah, of just yeah. like not looking for a joke to crack, but really just kind of explaining to people with, again, just, just, this is still like bird's eye. There's going to be tons of things that I missed. Like, um, no, this, I think this, this is, is a good, um, it's going to be a great a way to scratch the surface and, and pique the interest of people, I hope, but there's, there's so much more that you could really talk about. And it's one of the, and again, that, I think that's a lot of why it keeps me so passionate that, like I said earlier, there's always so much more to learn. And then you find a new, you know, hero and somebody else that you don't didn't realize has been voicing some of your favorite people from the last 20 to 30 years and it's it's just such a cool place to be i think the art well like any art it's it's a a long rabbit hole right and i think the art that is voiceover acting and narration um i really felt like we gave it a good well-rounded analysis through your career yeah so i think that uh, i think it's easier to understand some of these things when we're talking to the person behind them so thank you again for joining us i want to thank you guys for listening of course now before we go we don't have gems now don't worry i know what you're thinking and no philip's not going to die or anything he's going to be back on the show and we're going to continue to talk about our favorite things but like i said in the intro it's time we start putting some spotlights on our contemporaries. But until next time, a couple of things. This episode was brought to you by the Entropy Sessions and our go-to tool for remote podcast recordings. That's Zencaster. With Zencaster, you can record separate audio and video tracks, and it's all backed up on a secured cloud, so you never lose your hard work. Even better, it's easy to use, and there's nothing to download. So go to zen.ai slash art of the beholder, or just use promo code art of the beholder, and get 30% off your first three months with a pro account. If you like any of the things we talk about, of course, you can check out our work at novadayproductions.com. You can like, subscribe, do all the things, if you want to sponsor our little love child or you want to be on the show, you can reach out to our business management team at novodaymedia at gmail.com. And you know what to do. Until next time, be good to each other. And as always, good luck and Godspeed. We love you. Art of the Beholder is brought to you by Novoday Productions, created and hosted by Novoday and the Novoday Collective. Facebook.com slash Novodaymedia at Novodaymedia on Twitter and Instagram. Music by A Company, facebook.com slash acomusic123, aco on Spotify. Logo design by Tom Justice, J-E-S-T-U-S, of thejusticecompany.com, and executively produced by Clayton Anderson. All rights reserved. You know, Tommy, Tommy Teachum. Neato.